Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. All right, I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today. In a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Hi there, I'm Siobhan Cronin, and I'm an engineering manager at a company called Landed, and we help essential professionals build financial security in the communities they serve. And I run a team of uh, five engineers and a data warehouse administrator in San Francisco. That sounds like a lot of fun. So let's just jump into it. I'm hearing from a lot of leaders in tech that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I was thinking about this this morning. Um, finding diverse talent under what timeline has been one of the questions I've been asking folks. What I see people doing is, um, well, startup land, sometimes you don't know what you need and you're barreling into a quarter and you realize, oh gosh, we have a whole work stream developing or we need a new role filled and we need it filled yesterday. And so if there's any challenges you have in the top of funnel, maybe because of not having an internal recruiter or not really knowing how to reach different communities, um, that will become very apparent to you and you may not have time to course correct. So I think a lot of that, if there is a challenge at all, like folks not finding you because maybe you're a small company and people don't know you're there, um, there needs to be some proactive time, I guess like in peace times when you're not hiring, um, to actually build intentional community connections. So I think that's a, that's my first response because something we're noticing a lot at Landed is um, we sometimes feel like, yeah, strapped on time when it comes to certain hiring processes and if we're not seeing the candidate, the diversity that we'd expect at top of funnel, it's a little too late at that moment. So how can we get out ahead of that? Nice. Being proactive, I like that. And that's a great thing to kind of focus on strategically, right? To have a plan and not be looking right at the hood of your car, but looking down the road. Yeah, <laughs> so, look a little further out. Yeah. I like that. So um, what do you think about the push to remove CS degrees from some of these um, software and engineering roles? This is a great question. Um, we definitely have folks in our team from a variety of backgrounds. Um, and it's been really interesting for me just anecdotally to explore how does that play out as an engineer gets further into their career. And something I'm noticing is that if there is this push or this 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 collective look at, well, what are we accomplishing in a four-year CS program? I think there's there's two-sided benefits, both this conversation can open up pathways for those that didn't go that route, but also opens up conversations about retooling and reworking what a four-year CS degree is, um, the kind of um, training that happens there. Um, I've known folks that that have felt super grounded in their CS understanding after that period and others that felt really that they were wasting time. So it's, um, there's, I know there's a lot of, of sentiment around both sides of it, um, but I think the conversation of what does it take to, to be on a team to ship software, to be creative. Um, these conversations might drive a re-examination of all pathways. Yeah, and I think right now, especially, people are sort of reevaluating the ROI for degrees. So I think it's important to like really be thinking differently. And I like what you said about just like, does this make sense? And what are you learning? And like, what does it feel like is being accomplished? So, absolutely. So, what about an apprenticeship pattern? Do you think that might work for tech roles? Yeah, I, I I personally am very excited about it. I probably that's I'm like um, I'm not alone in being excited about apprenticeships. Um, I think in my experience, like 
for instance, that landed, we had an amazing intern that then was hired on at the end of their internship. And I remember feeling that this was the beginning of, of modeling for ourselves, what apprenticeship could look like, like where it's not just the intern comes, and the intern goes, but there's actually a, like a, a pipeline um, on site into our, our team. And, and it, I've something I've also seen from senior engineers of like really wanting to cultivate their practice of mentorship and wanting it to be formalized. And so I'm seeing it from all sides. That's this, this hunger for, for new ways of, of, of learning this role. I also very anecdotally, I um, really got my chops um, from apprenticing with my husband um, who's a, a senior engineer and the, the, um, the ability to, to see this as a craft, a craft that you would learn alongside a master teacher and really reinforce that in our field. Um, the folklore of it, the, like, you know, learning, learning where did that come from and, and, and hearing war stories um, is, is I, I couldn't understand how any other way to do it personally. That's, that's how I came in. So I think that there's from like a cultural perspective and from a clearly what it would open up for talent um, perspective. Yeah, I'm personally excited. I wonder, my only wonderment, Mike, is about um, size of companies that feel like able to support this and what are their barriers? Because I'm at a Series A startup and I think it's possible. So I think some folks that um, might be wondering, oh, we'll get to that later. Well, when is that later? Is Do you really know, or are you just punting it out? Or do you really know like there's like an inflection point that you need to hit to make that sustainable? Or is it really possible now? Um, that's something I'm asking myself. Yeah, I think my experience in the boot camp space has been so prior to us running an apprenticeship, we we did a boot camp. And so um it was always like, hey, slow down. Like you only want one of these people because you're not gonna be able to support a team of four. Like you're just not ready for it. Yeah. Um, but that said, if you devote the resources and the effort and you create that infrastructure to be able to support them, and a lot of it is just a good mentorship network, a good place for them. Um, and some structure or how you're going to learn and how they're going to progress and train, you can do it. So, I mean, we specialize in an apprenticeship, so we're better at it than maybe most because we have the tools and framework in place. But um, I have a leadership team right now of three and we have nine apprentices. So if we can manage, then like, what's the excuse for insert Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 company? Right? Yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> you for modeling that case study too. Like you're like, it's happening right here, Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So what advice would you share with companies that are looking to retain diverse staff? So let's say they do a great job getting them in and grooming them. How do you keep them? Yeah, this is coming up a lot for me right now um, because I'm starting to track. I'm starting to track layers of this that I hadn't before in my career. Some things what I used to always say is um, we talk a lot about getting folks to the table. And for a while there, I was like, what are you asking them to become to get to that table? So like, I mean, as a woman in tech, like I, I could say that um, styles of being and ways that I was gendered growing up and ways of caring for community um, haven't always been centered in how I'm asked to show up at work. And so I sometimes will put those to the side and yet somehow magically I'm supposed to turn it back on in a boardroom and like use those skills from my social life. And it can feel like that code switching can be intense and it's, I'm not alone in, in, in my company of folks that are navigating communities that way. And so it really is this, this inclusion piece of um, sometimes I'm going to speak differently. I'm going to use different words. I'm going to use my body differently. I'm going to use time and pauses differently. And it, if I'm the only, if I'm the unicorn in the room, it will feel jarring. It'll feel jarring for me to try to do and for others to experience. But if we proactively name that 
hey, we, we have different ways of being here. And um, it's, it's, it's going to maybe feel strange at first. Um, and like, how do we, how do we make that, like, give that permission so that we, we, we've sort of cleared the field ahead of time. I know that that's, that's something we do. Re- we don't just do it at like the beginning of a quarter and then hope that it all worked out. It's like a renewal of, and some, and ways that I'm doing lately is like being bold, being bold in like a Slack chat or in like a zoom chat to use language from my community or ways that we speak ways that we shout each other out, like in the like verbiage and do it even when I don't feel like I want to, even if I'm not feeling like today, that's what I, I personally need just to keep putting the scaffolding in place for other ways of being to happen at the company. So I would say if you're feeling um, not sure what to do for inclusion, just like keep broadening the space of being um, that's possible at your company. And that doesn't mean you have to be in a marginalized community. You could just observe like, hey, we don't really have a lot of silence in our meetings or we don't, you know, like everyone just sort of pounces on a new idea. That's just like a, a small example. But, yeah. No, but I, I, but I love it in that, that ability for people to not have to leave who they are at the mm-hmm. door. Sometimes you, you have an aspect of that as you, you code switch. And for people that don't know what that means, maybe we should like broadly define that. So they're not like having to dig on the interwebs and figure it out. But you know, the lived experience that a lot of people have people of color, black engineers is that you speak one way in front of one group, but then when you're in amongst people that are more similar to you or your background, you kind of have a different vernacular and a different way that you kind of like, you know, your vibe is a little bit different there than it might be on as you mentioned in Slack. And so I'm trying to be more authentic and I'm trying to like let more of that out on like LinkedIn, but you do have this, like there is a place and a time and some of it doesn't feel as comfortable, but it should, right? We should be more comfortable being our authentic selves and letting that sort of like permeate inside of the culture in the organization. But yeah. And then supporting others when they do, like if I see you taking those risks on LinkedIn, like how can I like, like, like shout it out or mirror it um, as I know that you've done for me. So yeah. I see that. Absolutely. So where can we find out more information? Actually, before I ask that question, I want to know who is someone like yourself that you think might be a good, is a leader, might be a good guest on a podcast like this? Yeah, I, my mind always goes to Michelle Glauser from Tectonica here in um, San Francisco, San Francisco, who works with women and non-binary folks getting into tech and has done similar like apprenticeship models and, and, and placements. And um, I just, I, I love her personally. I think she's like, like her heart is really coming at this in the right place, but I also love what they collectively have built at Tectonica. Um, so if anyone's interested in checking that out their work and also her story of like um, getting married and like getting money for being married and putting it right to her half bright, um, like, like uh, training and jumping into engineering with that. Like the, she's, she's very got a great story and, and a great spirit. That is an awesome shout out. And one that, interestingly enough, was part of the reason why we are who we are today is, you know, having conversations with Tectonica. So that's with an A as well as Tectonic out in um, Colorado, which again, different model, but same like apprenticeship and the whole mission is very, very similar, very aligned. And so I am definitely going to reach out and see if we can have some folks from Tectonica on the program. um, Cause I've talked to a couple there and they're super nice. So we can make that happen. Um, so where can we find out more information about you or your company? 
Yeah, um, please check us out at landed.com. We are supporting essential professionals in the Bay Area and San Diego and LA, um, moving out to Boston and New York. We're out in Hawaii. So we're, we're, we're spreading across the country and um, multiple time zones. And really what happens is um, sometimes folks are, are, are wondering why are they commuting hours every day to work, feeling like that's a reason why they may not be able to stay um, teaching at a school um, is one of the, the pieces that maybe is not coming together for them. And they don't have that rich aunt or uncle who can give them that down payment assistance. Um, Landed can swoop in and um, be a support, be an ally, be a partner in um, maybe buying a house or maybe just getting a- access to um, information about financial wellness. And um, so really, if you're an essential professional in any of these areas, uh, we, we would love to, to talk to you. Awesome. All right, we're going to put that in the show notes so people have a way of contacting you. And then final and most important question I have for you today. This is a tough one. What are you snacking on lately? What's your favorite snack? <laughs> I love this question because I, um, I'm i indiscriminately eating like at least half of a chocolate bar every day. And my husband is just just can't keep up with it and just, just stacking them up in our <laughs> kitchen. I think I always would have a little when I was working at HQ, but now at home I'm like, you know, release the hounds. I'm just eating like a lot more chocolate than a person should to get through these days. I think it's interesting that you're getting to the halfway point. Cause I could never put a half of a bar in the refrigerator. It's like the whole bar a hundred percent of the time. I think if I'm being honest, it's half at a time. I guess I, I should half at a sitting. Um, I won't say how many sittings happen in a day. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> like that. Awesome. So thanks again. I really do appreciate having you on the program. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is great. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snack Walls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 